Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 469 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, Lisa is going to visit us all the way from Sweden and tell us a rather remarkable story about her son, who, among other things, has type 1 diabetes. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're here looking for the diabetes pro tip episodes, they begin at episode 210 and are also listed at juiceboxpodcast.com. You just go to the top and click on Diabetes Pro Tip, or you can go to diabetesprotip.com. But I wouldn't do that until after you hear this conversation with Lisa, because I think you're going to love it. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored today by the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump, by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, and Touched by Type 1. You can find Touched by Type 1 on Facebook or Instagram or at touchedbytype1.org. You can learn more about the possibility of a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod-Tubeless Insulin Pump at omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And you can get started today with the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. My name is Lisa and I live in Sweden. Um, And I probably don't sound so Swedish and it's because I was raised in Northern California. I was going to say your middle name, which I'm assuming is your maiden name, is that is that your is is oh that's that's a long story (laughs) (laughs) you're like we don't have time for that buddy (laughs) we don't have time for that one um but you're correct my my uh my second name is the married name in sweden right my swedish married name correct um and i am i've lived in sweden since 1998 i came here with a tech company and um i have two boys and a husband and a boy dog, so maybe four boys. And I am the mother to a 15-year-old who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes 11 months ago. Okay. So within this year? Correct. Gotcha. Okay. So within a calendar year, your 15-year-old was diagnosed. Was that um, out of the blue? Is there other? It was. Okay. Um. You, you've. I have some background here on you, which I, you know, I'm just happy to tell people that I'm looking at, and I, I think we should probably just pick slowly through everything I'm seeing here. Is your type one's life, right? Correct. Okay. So did did issues begin before he was even born? How did that? Yes. How did that go? Yes. So um, the second ultrasound, week nineteen. Um, showed a, um, a fluid-filled cyst in the abdomen of the baby I was carrying. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so that's when it all started was week 19 of the pregnancy. And it was, um, some quite severe, um, damage to the intestinal area, primarily the liver and the intestines. So they took him out early and, and did nine hours of surgery. Actually, um, the surgeons actually said they had to lay him on the table and call Japan to get some help. So, um, so he's kind of a miracle and, um, it's just kind of been a long a story since then. Um, I want to start off by saying he's a great joy and I call him my sunshine. Uh, he's very happy and, and great young, young person. Um, but he has, um, medical issues in his abdomen. So that would include liver intestines and now even kidneys um, he has, uh, we did some investigations. I didn't really know what was happening. Um, I did suspect maybe behavioral disorder, um, autism spectrum, but it turned out to be a severe hearing loss and then also a mild to moderate cognitive disability, which the two together kind of mimicked. He didn't hear what we were saying and didn't know what to do about it. Understand. <laughs> um, and then some motor motor impairment, and um, then eleven months ago, a diabetes diagnosis from nowhere. Do you? Okay, I have a couple of questions. Yeah, uh, one of them is just going to sound silly, and I don't mean it to. But after the surgery, they don't put him back, right? <laughs> like you know when you're making a cake sometimes and it needs some work and then you put it back in the oven it wasn't like that right no no, no. so he no so, they did they did a cesarean five weeks early so we tried to manage it uh in utero okay um and uh i had really great medical care of course again i'm living in sweden um and living near the capital of stockholm right outside actually and so really the, the, the highest quality medical universities and kind of in Northern Europe and maybe around the world are 10 minutes from my house with mm -hmm. both pediatric care and even like the diabetes care now and all the specialists. Um, and even when I was pregnant with him. So, yeah. yeah so I was really fortunate to live where I live no when kidding. all this was happening. So he, they performed this nine hour or so surgery. He's yeah. in an incubator for a while, I imagine. Um, yeah. Uh, he was in intensive care for a while, and then we lived at the hospital for, um, we came home to visit for the first time after about five weeks. Wow. And uh, my father had come over from California to stay in our home with our older child who was uh, turning four at the time. Gotcha. See, Lisa, if you're going to know what I'm going to ask you before I ask you, then you can just, I get, I'm going to go have breakfast and you can tell everyone. I'm just getting ready to be like, how old were your other kids and where were they at? <laughs> but, but so you lived in the hospital for weeks upon weeks and then he came home eventually with you or you went yeah, home and he, he yeah, stayed? He came, no, no, they never separate okay. um, parents and children here. So, oh. um, so we were put up there. They have, um, parent apartments in, in the children's hospital here. So we lived there and we came home with him briefly for a visit just to, um, he was maybe it was five or six weeks after his birth and then kind of back and forth. And then he got really sick at home 
another long story. Um, another long story, but he, he got something called um, necrotizing enterocolitis. You guys call it NEC, N-E-C, which is basically, it can cause sepsis in the body. And so we had to go back in the hospital for quite a long time um, to try to see if he could repair that um, through not eating. So he was on IV foods uh, for a while. So we were, we were in and out with multiple surgeries and, and, um, and attention for the first, you know, year. Um, and then he was, um, yeah. And then he was going blue at home. Uh, so I was given a mouth to mouth when we came home. So again, it's a, a lot of life and death early on um, for us with him. Yeah. What is, um, do you feel like you're a completely different person now than you were a year ago? Did you know so many things that you didn't know prior? Like how does it impact you? I guess. So I think that for me personally, you know, sometimes when you go through traumas and, and you know, heartbreaks uh, and challenges in your life or, you, you know, you, you're impacted by them. And I had worked really hard to um, heal from some of those. I mean, I've had a lot of support through our medical system here with therapy. And, um, and I think when, when, when we got hit with the diabetes diagnosis, it, it sure didn't take much to crack the egg, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It, it um, I think, I don't know whether I took it harder or easier than somebody who had never had a trauma before with a child, but we had gone through so much and we had worked so hard to, to, you know, to get him healthy and to adjust our life and to give him all the tools and resources. I mean, even for the, the cognitive side and the hearing side and, uh, special schools and we really were getting somewhere and then to have this hit us. Um, the last, the last 11 months has, I think in some ways tougher than the first time we went through the medical challenges. Well, you've listed a number of things. I think any of which on their own would be a, a, a significant hill to climb, you know, and then there's just one on top of another, on top of another, do do each of these, and, and I'm assuming like each of these things, when they need attention from a physician, it's, it's a, it's a separate visit somewhere. Like is much of your time spent seeing doctors? Yeah, that's a really um, astute kind of understanding that you get that I don't think a lot of people do understand is that when you have um, so many very rare um issues to deal with and so, uh, such a number of them um, and there's no known profile uh, then yeah they're they're everything's pretty separate I mean and and what it does on top of it is that it lot it it makes the responsibility for keeping it all together on me and on our family. So I'll give you an example. Um, and I might be getting ahead of this, but we had for the first time ever, um, an infection at a pump site last week. And, um, I, of course, who do you contact for an infection in the pump site? And, and I sort through all these Facebook groups and internet uh, forums. And I think, okay, it's our primary doctor. So I contacted our primary family doctor and, and, uh, she said, well, maybe you should contact the diabetes uh, nurse or, or doctor. And then if they think it's okay, I'll write out the 
antibiotic. And then I remembered, oh gosh, antibiotics, the liver specialists, they don't want us to give them these three antibiotics, but this one's okay. And in the end, I had to take the responsibility to tell our doctor, I want you to write out the prescription and, and the weekend's coming. It was actually just a few days ago. And if it gets worse, I'm going to give it to them. And if not, I'm not going to. So a lot of the the, the responsibility ends up being here at home with us. Yeah. I, yeah. I would imagine that each of these things is sort of like diabetes in that they give you some information and then you have to make on the fly adjustments with it. And I, I just was thinking about the, um, you know, I mean, we're trying to manage our way through things with Arden that are obviously not nearly as significant or severe as what you're talking about in, in many cases here. Um, but it's one doctor over here, you know, and one doctor over here, and then the third one in the middle, and they don't really talk to each other. They'll send like their notes to each other, but you know, I don't know what that means exactly. And then, you know, at some point they like, they give you some kind of marching orders and then the rest of it, it's it's inferred. It never gets said out loud, but it's always like, okay, you take care of this, figure out what you're seeing and report back to me. And yes. then we'll take the next step, which, which heartbreakingly is often not the step that gets you to where you want to be. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. It's like you're absolutely in the dark and someone throws a flashlight on the floor and you're just feeling around one hand print at a time trying to figure out where the flashlight is. And, and then you find it and the batteries don't work. It, yeah, it's, you're trying yeah. to figure out what's causing what's causing a symptom or what's causing this not to work the way it should work. And um, and it's um, it's like a medical mystery every day. And Do then you, you know you said something, Scott, about um, it might be like diabetes. And I would say that diabetes it, today's management of diabetes and how we're managing diabetes with the CGM and the pump and the data and and the knowledge. It's actually quite unique. I would say the other conditions that we deal with are maybe like how diabetes was managed before CGMs. So we're kind of blind as to how is this medicine helping the health of his liver? Like I can't, I can't track that every five minutes at home. So, so diabetes is somewhat unique with, with um, what we have now. There's so many like user tools that don't exist with other issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you see a lot of ghosts? Meaning while you're trying to figure things out, do you find yourself, I find sometimes that I spend three, four, five weeks chasing down a thing and you get to the end and you're like, oh, th that was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just like, oh my God. All right. and, and then I do this. I, I Here's something I end up doing and I'll, I'll ask you about it. Um, sometimes I just reset for a minute. Me personally, I stop thinking about it, even though we haven't found the answer. And then that makes me feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I am so on top of the diabetes management that I ended up in, in the cardiac intensive um, three weeks after his diagnosis. So I'm chasing, I thought I could control an uncontrollable disease because mm -hmm. I was used to being able to control math and, I work in, in medical technology products. Um, and so I put myself in the hospital uh, with no underlying cardiac um, conditions. So I, you know, at a pretty young age in pretty good shape. And, and um, so now what you say is as I'm chasing what's going on, I am getting better right now. This is 11 months in. I am sometimes saying, 
screw it. I'm going to bed now. Like I'm going to live with that value for now. You know, I just like, so I am getting better at kind of saying, you just also have to live through this. <laughs> um, Lisa, you're so, a special kind of type A, aren't you? When it comes to math, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it comes when it comes to algorithms, and I mean that's that's my background. And yeah. so watching trends and seeing curves, and you know the sugar surfing protocols and all those types of things. And um, I mean that's really interesting to me. If it wasn't my kid, this like this is like my dream job is um, being an artificial pancreas. Yeah, so, right up until it's for your kid, if, then it's not so if it much. It wasn't fun. my kid. Yeah. No, I, you should hear me talk to people privately. I'm I'm so loose. I'm just like, do that. Try this. Why don't you do that? Why'd you think that? They're like, what? I'm like, you. and there's part of me that's just trying to imply that you have to chill out a little bit, you know, because it just isn't going to come together as quickly as you want it to. And when you get so tight, um, and I think to micro, you know, with your vision, then you miss other things that are happening that are valuable. You're always kind of hitting yourself hard saying, oh, I messed this up or I didn't figure something out or something happened again that went wrong. It's too much for a person to take. You really you really can't do you, you can't sustain it. I mean, you didn't make it three months, it sounds like. No, three weeks. Three weeks. I, I, I ended up in the hospital three and a half weeks after the diagnosis. Um and um, it's called the Takosubo. It's a stress-induced uh, heart failure. So there's so many, the adrenaline and, and the cortisone, and they're called catecholamines in the body. It was a surge of stress hormones, and it basically paralyzed my left ventricle. <laughs> and, and it's a rare condition. And do you know, typically it happens, people that have been married for 60 years and they're both on their deathbed holding each other's hands and one passes away and then the other passes away like 10 minutes later. Right. That's generally when a takosubo happens. That's no, in no general kidding. when people get them. Lisa, are you um, just here to tell people not to marry men from Sweden? Is this what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> but I want to go back to you said about you telling people like try this and try that. And I I think that's really what made a difference for me, Scott, is I, I that that I want to go back to that because I want to tell you Please. what your podcast and that attitude did for me. Um, but before I do so, do you think we start out like that because the medical professionals scare us into not daring to take take testing um, and, and to like try out things do you have you thought about that I mean I, have I thought about it I've thought about it a lot I I find myself wondering if it isn't just the nature of people to want to follow a rule or to be on a team you know I'm team low carb I'm team you know, keto i do vegan um i you know we love the i pump pumping is very important oh no mdi like everyone's got they want to be on a team right like uh, having a jersey on makes you feel good because then there's other people and you're not alone this whole thing but then there's the rules the, the rules are the rules people want there to be rules and if you really step back and really look at society in general there aren't many rules beyond a couple, right? Like, you know, you don't treat people poorly. You don't kill people, hurt people, steal things. You know, that's pretty much it, right? The rest of it's just common sense and calm. And when you think your life is moving the way that it's supposed to, you stay calm 
and you follow these couple of basic rules. And for the most part, things work out about the way you expect. And that's what people seem to be able to handle. And you throw them into this, this medical situation where nothing they're seeing is making sense and they want the rules so badly. So then the doctors give you the rules. And the doctor in this society is not to be questioned often by people, or they feel that they don't have the knowledge necessary to question the doctor, whereas we're the ones that know our children and ourselves the best. And and, and that's what I learned through all the other challenges, all the other medical challenges over the past 15, 16 years is I, f- I have always questioned what the doctor says. Mm-hmm. And when people do find time to challenge, like they, they kind of get the nerve to challenge something very frequently, at least in this space, as far as I can tell, they pick the wrong hills to die on. They challenge the wrong things. They, because they're seeing, they're seeing so many ghosts in their diabetes care. They can't yeah. make sense of everything. Um, I, I want to give you an example. Go ahead, uh, please. Recently. Cause I had one, but I want to hear yours oh, because I, so I learned to be aggressive and bold with insulin, you know, through the podcast and I, and I, and I back it up with math. And so I feel, you know, quite confident in what I'm trying to do. And I generally take like a concrete situation and I'll like back it up. For example, in the evenings, when our son falls asleep, we fight, um, rises. And, um, I've come to determine it's a combination of growth hormones and also late digestion of, of dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a huge eater. I mean, he, he's, he eats massive amounts of food every day. And so I was trying to adjust, um, you know, that from 9 p.m. to midnight type time frame. And, and I don't ask for much help from the diabetes center. And, but I really wanted to get aggressive. And I thought, oh, can I really do that? Like, I wanted to almost like double his, his basil, you know, those three hours. And, and I called the nurse and I literally shocked her because I said, I think I want to double his basil rate for three hours. And she says, oh, well, we we recommend only doing 10% changes at a time and then waiting three days. And I was like, thank you, bye, <laughs> click. So the thing that I most frequently say to people that that they just can't wrap their head around is, is here's the scenario, right? Um, their basal is too low. They don't know it. And they miss on their meal insulin, so their blood sugar shoot up. So they have a lot of spikes and a lot of highs. And then later they crash low, and then they put in food and they spike, and they're on this, you know, yep. this never ending process. Coaster. It's a roller coaster. Yep. And so I'll get a hold of somebody and say, "There's like we have we're having a lot of lows. What would you do here?" And I say, uh, "You need more basal insulin." So now I've said. <laughs> More insulin, right? And they're like, no, no, no. I, it can't possibly be more insulin because the blood sugar keeps getting low, and that would indicate too much insulin. And I'm like, no, that indicates poorly timed insulin. Yeah. And th- now you're three steps into this situation. And I haven't said this on the podcast a lot, but you get much more past three levels of thinking, and you begin to lose people. There's, there's a lot of balls up in the air, and you have to remember how they're all impacting each other. And I'm not saying that you could put me into a different scenario, and I'd be some great thinker. I'm just telling you that around diabetes, I can see all the balls up in the air. Like, diabetes to me feels like the end of the matrix when Keanu figures out how to slow the bullets down. Yeah, and, and that, your daughter is very fortunate to have 
someone who gets that. And I feel the same way about our son. But what I often feel is I feel so bad for those kids who have parents that don't understand the, all of these complex factors together. And they're getting this very traditional direction from their diabetes, you know, resources. Yeah. And I, I just, I see these curves. I know I've heard you before, Scott, you're like, Oh man, I just couldn't not say anything. Like when you see something and you're, you're like, I just couldn't not say anything. Um, and I, I don't ever say anything to anybody because I don't have the energy to spare beyond brushing my teeth right yeah. now. No, no, you shouldn't. Um, yeah, you would get the taco subi again or whatever it's called. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know that's the Japanese name for a a device they use in Japan for catching octopuses? It's the shape of this almost like a – it's not in a vase. It's like a – it's an octopus catcher. It's okay. called the takosubo, and it's the shape that the heart – gets when it has this left ventricle failure. No kidding. Okay. So at some point, a doctor saw this on an image and thought, hey, yep, that looks like yep. the thing that catches the octopus. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, who, whoever that was must have been catching some octopus. <laughs> well, well, so I don't want to get away from what you were saying, and I have something I want to get back to as well. Yeah. But um, you first of all, it a long time ago, I came, you know, to the conclusion, as we all probably should, that you cannot just go out into the world and, and fix everybody or help everybody. And it is really sad to see someone struggling and walk away. And I will tell you that for for me, it feels like it feels like I came up on a car accident and I could get them out, but I just decide not to and I leave. And so or when wait, I see, or you wait for the paramedics to get there and then you leave. Well, we, you know? well, but but the point is, is that I wouldn't leave a car accident. But at some point, with my life being intersected with social media, which by the way I don't particularly enjoy, um, and and somebody new comes every five minutes, and I look and I think I could fix yeah. that, and yeah. I don't have time. And and yeah, so we that's we what drove the we drove around the corner last night, and there was this old man in a wheelchair outside, and he and he was like trying to push himself up a hill. And I said to my husband, "Oh, I want to get out and push him." And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, oh, "I want to get out and push him." And he said, "Lisa, you know, you can't get out and push every single person that goes by in a wheelchair." Yeah, your life your life would literally become about constantly <laughs> about other people and. And so, listen, to me, this podcast, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think if you listen to this podcast, you'll understand how to take care of diabetes when it's over. And I totally agree with you, Scott. And and, and if if you can actually take it in. I mean, sure. But sure. yeah, I agree. And and it changed it for me, too. You know, it did. I had, I had read uh, in the hospital, we were only in the hospital two days with the diagnosis. And I had already read through the whole sugar surfing, you know, website. And I had ordered... Think like a pancreas and pumping insulin. And then I just, you know, just chowed through all of that, ended up in the hospital and started listening to the podcast. And, and as I was afraid this, you know, around three, four, five months into it, when I had this horrible fear, um, you really changed it. I, you know, I, you really made me feel bold. So thanks. If you're interested in the insulin pump that my daughter has been wearing forever since she was four years old, or the glucose monitor that she's been wearing forever since she was six, maybe? Long time. Then you're going to want to know about the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump 
and the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Let's start with the Dexcom. The Dexcom G6 is a glucose monitor that gives you readings and data in real time. You can get them on a receiver or right there on your iPhone or Android phone. This is beyond exciting. And if you're not excited by it, then you don't understand what it does. Try to imagine seeing your or a loved one's blood sugar in real time and not just the number, not just she's 89 or 53 or 120, but what direction is that blood sugar moving or is it stable? And if it's moving in a direction, how quickly is it moving? That's the kind of information that is next level. That's how you make ninja level decisions about using insulin and type one diabetes. At least that's how I do it. And I think you could too. Check it out at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You can get started right there or just get more information, but one way or the other, you need to start looking. I just opened my phone. My daughter's blood sugar is 104. There's a little boy named Dominic. I'm watching his blood sugar today. His is 106. Both are stable. Isn't that crazy? You could do that too. You could do it for a, a husband, a wife, a friend, a mother, a daughter, a son, anybody you care about. And think about the possibilities. A school nurse could watch if you wanted. Or not. It's completely up to you. And how do we give my daughter the insulin that made that 104 blood sugar? Well, we do it through the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. It is tubeless. I know that might be like, if you don't have a pump right now, you're like, does that matter? But it does. Other pumps have tubing. So there's an infusion set on other pumps that goes into your skin, followed by a long tube that has to snake through your clothing or whatever, and then goes to a controller where the insulin is and where the buttons are. With Omnipod, everything is in one small pod. You put it on and then you tell the pod what to do from a wireless tubeless controller that is very small, sort of like a cell phone. The great news here is that some of you will be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. And that is available at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Go and check it out. Free 30 days of using an insulin pump with no strings attached and no tubing attached. But you don't have to buy it if you do the thing. You know, you could do the 30 days and be like, "Eh, I don't want it. That's not a problem. There's other stuff at that site, too. You could also get a free no obligation demo pod, which would just be one non-functioning pod for try on and wear just to see if you dig it or not. So maybe you'll start slow with a non-functioning demo and then move up to the Omnipod Dash trial. Who knows? There's only one way to find out. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. And please don't forget touchedbytype1.org and to find Touched by Type 1 on Instagram and Facebook. They do amazing things for people living with type 1 diabetes. They're a great org, and I hope you check them out. There are links to these and all of the sponsors in the show notes of your podcast player or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Please remember, when you click on the links, you're supporting the show. So I'm not saying just click on them, but if you're looking for a pump or a CGM or to help an org or glucagon that comes in a hypopen or the most accurate blood glucose meter I've ever seen in my life, I'd appreciate it if you did it through my links. Thank you very much. Let's get back to Lisa. You're very welcome. And I'm super happy about that. I have to tell you, you named a number of things that I know people really like. Um, Think like a pancreas. That book is incredibly popular. Pumping insulin. Um, I know some people really love sugar surfing. I've had Dr. Ponder on the show. Yeah, I know. I've listened to it. But I've never read any of those books. Yeah. 
And if I read those books, not those books, forget those books for a second. If I read a book, I just know how my brain works. If you told me, hey, the answer to diabetes is in these books, I would think, oh, well, I'm never going to figure this out. I'm just not, it doesn't work that way for me. And I don't think this podcast is for everyone. I think there are plenty of people who can and will read Think Like a Pancreas and they'll just be like, oh, that's it. Great. And, you know, but I think that the thing about the podcast is that it's alive, you know, and so when people ask me, can you write a book about diabetes, which people ask me constantly about, I'm like, nah, it's a waste of time. The podcast is the right way to do it. Like conversations are the right way to do it. Hearing things explained multiple ways by different people uh, until the thing that gets to you gets to you. And you're like, oh, that's it. I understand now. This to me is the way. Once you write something down, it's static. And then something changes and you're stuck. If you wrote down, if you wrote down the things that are being said in this podcast, you'd probably get sued. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, you know, hey, not for nothing too. I'm not a doctor. All three of those books are are written by people with degrees. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and not even just that, I think, but if I wrote it all down, it would either be a million pages of text or it would be two because there's part of me who's like really believes when I tell you like this is all timing and amount. That's it. You just have to use the right amount of insulin at the right time. There's no nothing else to it. There's don't get me wrong. There's a bazillion other variables, but as you start experiencing them, them, you eventually just figure out, oh, this is potato chips. I get this now. And this is when they're playing ice hockey. I understand now. And and you just you 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 grow into it. I would tell you that if it wasn't for this podcast, I don't think I would I don't think the word diabetes would come into my head maybe once a day. Because it's just easy at this point. And yeah, I but be- you guys are looping still, right? You're still yeah, it, but I felt that way prior to yeah. that as well. And 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 the loop just kind of tightened everything down a little more. It takes out some of the um you know, you know when you're just looking at a 97 blood sugar and you're like this is great and then all of a sudden it's 130 and you're like, "Huh, what happened?" Like those those kind of moments go away. You know, you know, you I ordered I ordered um, Riley links from the US that have arrived and I was going to build and I decided to postpone it now because number one, um, our son who has, you know, a learning disability and, and all the other issues, um, he's actually getting pretty good at like using the PDM, good. the 80 style PDM, yeah. you know, on the old, on the old Omnipod You're and the people that surround him during the day are also, you know, understanding when I tell them, I mean, I'm managing diabetes by SMS to adults that right. that are around him. And he is gaining some self, I wouldn't say, I, not self-care, but but he's able to understand like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do when she says, you know, put a tempasol on. Um, so I decided to postpone it primarily because of that, but also because I feel like I've got such tight control right now that I'm going to have to go through a period of relearning and re- testing all of the factors. And so I haven't done it yet. Um, yeah. You don't seem like the kind of person who should pick up a hobby. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try woodworking. Are you? Lisa? <laughs> no. And I'm looking at no. your graph and it's great. You obviously know what you're doing. And it, it, listen, honestly had one person not badgered me so harshly to try this mm-hmm. algorithm. I'd, I had no reason to do it. I was never going to do it. 
um, it just was, she said, like, I really think that people in general would benefit if you understood how to use this. And I agree with that. And I, and I had planned to do it. And then I chose to at least postpone for, for different reasons. And, but I do manage his diabetes quite a bit like loop does. I am using temp basal, you know, a lot. Um, I, I use that a lot as a big tool, kind of as loop is adjusting the basal, um, a lot. So, so I do, uh, I, I was, I was an algorithm for many years on my own and, and, and it just helped me. It helped me understand like it's now, like when, when I, when people ask me like, how do you, excuse me, when you, um, you see a high blood sugar with loop, like how do you get it back down? Because the, the algorithm does not want to come down quickly. Right. I know you open it, don't you? Yeah. So I basically tell the loop, okay, you go away now. And then I fake carbs and I do, I don't even fake carb. I just put in a bunch of insulin and, and I know where in the drop to close the loop up so that she levels off. And if you think that's something magical, it's not, I just did it a bunch of times till I figured it out. And people are like, well, you know, they would ask then, well, what, what number do you turn it back on? I think it would be different for every person. What I'm saying is, is that I did it. I watched the graph Yep. And one day I was like, okay, here. And when I say here, again, I'm not saying a number. It's a visual. Like I look you know, at the Scott, line and I so, see it. That is so interesting because that's exactly what I'm looking at every every moment with with the diabetes management. It's not about the number for me. Like I've never had like, – like I don't like have a number goal. What I have is I want it to be as little variation as possible. Yeah, you're just flying an airplane. And you want it to be smooth. You want it yeah, to go up smoothly smooth. and level out yeah. smoothly and come down smoothly and level out yeah. smoothly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me take a drink for a second. At one point, Dexcom sort of changed their graphics on the follow app. And I had them on one day and I was like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I was like, don't make it look different. I know what this looks like. And, and I was in a panic for a second, but you know what? I see it the way it is now too. They could change as much as they want. I could keep figuring it out. It doesn't matter. It I don't ju- use follow nearly at all. Are you I using sugar mate? Sugar mate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I have that as well. And I, I don't look at that as I need. I like Dexcom follow for the line. I like SugarMate for kind of the information that's on the front page of it a lot. I'm actually getting ready to do something that I think I might be I might be doing something with SugarMate coming up, um, which will probably happen before I put this out. So I'll tell you, I'm going to um, wear a, a G6 and broadcast my blood sugars live on my blog, and then I'm going to tell people when I'm eating and what I'm eating so they can see how a pancreas handles the different situations, because I think that information will help them understand their kids and themselves. Do you know, we use, we use a, a, a candy called Mentos. If, if, if we have to treat kind of an aggressive following mm-hmm. uh, blood glucose, we don't have lows, but, but essentially physical activity and then, you know, trending down and we don't use, um, uh, we don't use glucose tablets. So Mentos has glucose in it as does Skittles and what have you. And, and um, 
So I decided we came home from summer vacation and there was a half a package of this Mentos candy left. And, and I was kind of, I don't usually eat candy, but I just thought, well, I'd like to have those. And I, so I ate half of a roll and then I was just, I had this like epiphany. So I went and I got the, and tested my blood sugar. <laughs> and, and I mean, I was super high. I was like, what's that in uh, 8.8 times 18? I, um, I have my thing right here. So you were 8.8. By the yeah, way, eight point eight. This is available at juiceboxpodcast.com. So one hundred and sixty. Yep, I have it at one fifty eight. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a beautiful. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, a listener built this this calculator that does A one C and blood glucose. So, like, I I'm on. How do you say it? Is it mimi? How do you guys say M M O L? Do you millimoles? Millimoles. Okay. So I just put in eight point eight. It immediately told me that that's. Um, you know, in America, uh, 158. And it tells me that if your average uh, blood sugar is 8.8, it will come to an A1C of 7.1. And it's such a, that was after a half, half a package, like maybe about double what I would use to, to treat a, you know, a drop with him. Right. Um, and your functioning pancreas is in there fighting off those Mentos. Yeah. I test 5.1 exactly. Um, all the time. Like whenever I test, I'm, I'm just at 5.1 whenever I see, which is. 91.8 91.8 so. and and that gives you and that situation I'm, I'm assuming gave you a real idea of oh that's why mentos stop drops so well like they're really fighting exactly. in the other direction. rocket yeah. fuel yeah. rocket fuel yeah. it's funny how everybody just thinks of it differently like but in my mind it's sort of just like these opposing forces it feels like a cartoon to me like fire like a flamethrower on one side and a flamethrower on the other side and they're just blasting at each other and they kind of meet in the middle and dissolve and like that's how i think of the sugar coming in to press against the insulin that's pushing down and then it pushes back up until they kind of you know they both go off and hopefully you're left about where you mean to be i i don't know i, I can't imagine there's what do I want to say? There are not many other places in my life where the way my weird brain works about things are people are like, oh, this is very interesting. I should listen. <laughs> I can't believe it worked out for diabetes of all the bizarre things. I honestly could tell you that that this is my podcast still confounds me. Like It doesn't seem like I should be the person doing this to me even, but it well, works. I think you're a, vis- so. you're a visual um learner and or, or like a picture learner and I am a person who I have to draw when I and I have to circle and move I just recently went to law school you know it's free here to go to the university so I'm an engineer but I just went to law school right before this this diagnosis and and um, all the young kids you know they're like typing in a in a computer and I hand wrote on paper because that's the way I learn and your way of learning and communicating works really well in this kind of visual, interpretation of the blood glucose uh, trends and and levels uh, and so i get it i'm also very visual and i think that's why it works well for me too yeah it's crazy you know every time you mention sweden i think of the chef from the muppets i'm like a, oh isn't that funny i'm like, I'm like a uh, seven-year-old like i can boingy, hear it boingy, in the back boingy. of my head doing that while you're talking i'm trying to keep up with our conversation and overwhelm the doing be doing in that's going on in my, in my head <laughs> i don't even love the muppets <laughs> Anyway. You know, back to Sweden, I was thinking uh, when I was uh, preparing um, just kind of where I'm at with diabetes management, I thought to myself, because I had to relive this a bit, just kind of thinking about talking to you. And and I thought, wow, um, I couldn't imagine going through what we've been going through the past 11 months and having on top of it the financial pressure of um, 
insurance questions and insulin costs and things like that. I, I really thought hard about that today that I, I couldn't imagine feeling any worse than I felt going through this, this first, you know, adaptation to life with a child with diabetes. And, and just the thought of people, you know, not taking the insulin they need or not having access to the medical technology they need or being afraid of losing your job first in the first hand and in the second hand, you lose your insurance on top of it during these times. And it's like, it's inhuman. I mean, we, it doesn't cost anything, nothing related to our son's medical care. Um, and especially with diabetes, I mean, nothing is a cost for us uh, straight out of the pocket. So I'm, I don't have to pull insulin out of a pump that goes bad or um, there's no insurance. Um, um, You'd have to fight with somebody to get no. the Dexcom or anything like that. No, yeah. no. I had the G6 on him two weeks after diagnosis and the Omnipod about seven weeks after diagnosis. That's terrific. It really is. What kind of insulin does he use? He uses, um, he uses, what would you guys call it? Is it called Novolog? It's Novo, maybe there. So it's no, is it Novolin there or Novo, Novo? No. No, you call it something know. completely different? Yeah. He, in the beginning he had, you know, the, when he was on MDI, he had, uh, I think you call it Basiglar. We call it a Basiglar. Mm-hmm. So we had Basiglar and uh, Novolog. Okay. Um, and now he just has, of course, no vlog. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, well, how, how is, um, I want to, I don't want to make you upset, I guess, but are, are you okay? okay? I guess yeah. that's what I mean. Like, like yeah. how did you, how did you get to okay? With a lot of support. Um, I, so, you know, I think the first few weeks or the first month was I can control this. I can handle this just like I've handled everything else that's come our way. And I was somewhat, you know, like manical about it, about rigging. And I wanted to know everything there was about diabetes, everything there was to learn. And that was my, that was my mode that put me into the hospital. And then um, I was forced to chill out and ask for help. And then I ended up um, referring myself to psychiatry care Um, over the phone. I called and said, I'm concerned about my mental health Um, and I got help. Uh, So I, um, a combination of just having, you know, therapists contact me twice a week and, um, some medication and some help with sleep. And then with time, so they diagnosed me with something called adjustment disorder. Like, and I remember the doctor saying that the the psychiatric doctor saying, um, okay, well, Lisa, you're going to feel better in about nine months. You just like the body has a great ability to adjust again. And we're going to do all these things to get you there, but you will feel better. And I, I could, I never thought I would. Um, but I did, we did have summer uh, vacation. And I think just going from diagnosis to putting him into an environment with other people that didn't understand what was happening and then trying to manage his diabetes remotely. And he goes to a special school in another area of the city. Mm-hmm. He rides in a taxi three times a day to special schools and, and care programs. And so I was having to like take care of him, but I couldn't see him and I couldn't touch him and I couldn't see the food. I had to, I had to like use the pictures they were sending me and the weights they were sending me. And so that was just like this intense 
um, demand on me, both workload wise, emotionally, brain capacity. And then once uh, he was on summer vacation and I kept saying, why don't you just stay home with us when school was up? No, I want to go to my after school program. He wants to go and be with, you know, friends and, and with these, these mentors that, that lead them. And when he got home and when I got six weeks with him, 24 hours a day, I just think I just healed me. I just got to share with him some more. And when I sent him back to school, um, when school started at the end of August, I just, I felt calmer and he understood a bit more from his time with me and with us together. And I just, um, so far, so, so far it's only been what, um, five or six weeks since school started. And this kind of like energy I got refilled during the summer. I mean, it's still lasting. Um, so I'm feeling better, but it was, it was touch and go there for a while. Um, I was concerned about myself. I, I was shaking most of the time. Yeah. I, I told my son recently that with us all kind of, you know, living on top of each other because of COVID uh, and him being here instead of being at college, I said, look, I realize how much you're missing and I'm sorry that this is your experience right now, you know, with college, he's, you know, in his bedroom uh, taking classes. But I said, I'm going to look back over this time and be so thrilled to have this extra time with you. Uh, and and I I feel better when he's here. I don't really know another way to say it. Like, I just, it seems right that he's here. And now I'm going to start crying. No, Our I'm older sorry. son just left for the university. This <laughs> he just breaking he just your heart, moved. trying to learn he just, things. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he just left and moved to the other side of Sweden to a university. Um, and so this is the first time he, our older son has ever really lived someplace else for a period of time. So, so now that your son's home, our oldest son left. Right. Oh, He'll yeah, be going again right. soon. He'll be out of here pretty soon. There, yeah. he was talking to his coach the other day, and he's like, "I think you guys will be back in the spring." And you know, um, so I, I feel like after the holidays, he'll he'll be out of here. But how far did your did your child go to to um, the university? Let's see. Sweden is the same size as California, length and width. Mm -hmm. And so, if you imagine, we live on the very east east side of Sweden. And he moved to the very west side. So that distance from, okay. you know, one edge of the California state to the other edge. It's uh, um, it's about five hours by fast train um, or car, I think. Yeah. Do you feel yeah. like you'll be able to visit him at all when he's there? Or is, that, is there a reason to? Well, my husband, you know, helped move him and his, um, his girlfriend there. But with... With how life is right now here with our younger son, um, I haven't been there to visit yet. I just basically got brave enough to start kind of being in other environments with our son that has diabetes. That It took me this summer, uh, it took me about a half a year for me to actually grab up all my diabetes um, supplies that I have pretty good control of at home and take them to what we call our summer house, which is another home that we own. It took me about a half a year just to just to do that. So I want to dig I'm into still, this if you could. Yeah. So here's yeah. why: because I couldn't get in my car and drive to the store for the first year because I was like, "What if yeah. something happens while we're in the yeah. car?" You, you know, that's kind, I, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> but it, it's funny to hear you say it because 
for 14 years, you've been in charge of all of these special needs, right? Yeah. And and obviously your son's, you know, going to school and taking taxis and he has friends yeah. and all that's going as I I would I don't want to say as well as could be expected. It sounds like it's going really, really great considering. He's absolutely doing, he's doing really well. But I did feel like that also in the beginning uh, when, yeah. when things happened, and you did, know, when different things happened. So did did your experience with all of the, the stuff that happened at birth, it, it wasn't able to inform you enough for you to ignore similar feelings around diabetes? Is that right? No, I think I think it's actually opposite of what you just said. I think it made it more catastrophic that when your body goes into like like with a post trauma diagnosis, what happens is like you're living kind of always the flight or fight mode is what you're trying to reason yourself through, right? And when the body just consistently is like, do I fight or do I take flight or how do I handle this this emergency that's happening? Um, you know, you're on standby, you're on high alert and it takes a lot of work. And I had done a lot of work to try to not overreact to things that weren't life threatening. But when the diabetes happened, my body biologically just hopped really fast right back into that. That's why I landed in the hospital. So instead of my hope or assertion that being through something terrible makes you ready for it the next time. All it did was show you the path to terrible quick. More Biologically, quickly. I yeah. think, I think it's, and I think logically I was calmer than maybe a lot of people would have been that, that the doctors in the hospital, when, when we had the diagnosis, like they saw me as someone who was really on it, really competent, already reading everything, totally at ease, like adjusting well. So on the outside, I was logically, well suited to fight, but on the inside, I was weak. I was weakened from all that I've already. Because you know what it feels like to be punched in the face, and so you're you know it's coming. <laughs> that kind of a feeling. It's just the body's response mechanism. I mean, it's it's just it's innate in us. Yeah. I mean, so yours and it, and it, it, it happened fast, you know. <laughs> your statement is that it, to me the definitive answer on this podcast about whether or not you should tell people, "Oh, you're the right person for this to happen to." <laughs> right. Yeah. There's right. no one. Um, no one's the right person for this to happen to. And I used to always say um, before this happened, you know, my people that know enough about us and that have seen uh, some of my doctor doctor friends. I mean, I'm surrounded by some brilliant, empathetic, lovely, and especially women in my life here in Sweden. That um, and you know, really fabulous people, and and some of them understand what we've gone through, and you know. I'll say to them, they'll say, wow, I'm so sorry to complain about this because you guys have it so much worse. And I said, you know, we're all kind of dealing with, I mean, a person that has a child with a fever and a cough and that can't get to see a doctor. I mean, they're stressing over it. It's not just because I've had more severe experiences doesn't mean that they feel any better than me when they're dealing with, you know, issues. But I think the thing with diabetes, I think where I'm at right now, um, again, 11 months in, I'm almost getting upset because I, I feel that people have this misperception, really smart people have this misperception that they say, oh, but he has a pump now. 
why why are why aren't you sleeping at night? Right. Yeah, the pump. But it's but you have the pump now. I mean, <laughs> no one knows. And I and I literally, I, I I'm a person who is very rarely angry. I really don't feel anger um, on you know at all very much. But I really want to like punch somebody in the face when they say that because <laughs> they they don't get it, and I don't want them to have to get it. But it's like diabetes is the the most. Um, I'm thinking of the Swedish word for it. What is that? It's the most unpredictable, but you know, it's all these factors and what, what works today with that food. And at that time tomorrow at the same time and the same food, it's not going to work. And one day when he has physical education class, maybe he doesn't drop the next day, the same, maybe he drops. It's just like, it's so, it's such a constant, constantly moving target. Yeah. What was the Swedish word you were thinking? Oh, no, I don't need to. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Do you not want to say? <laughs> I don't want Swedes to hear me say. No, I was speaking Swedish in my head. Spell it for um, me. Don't say it. I hear you don't want people to hear your terrible, like, like. No, usable. no, 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 no. I'm fluent in Swedish. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah, no, I'm fluent in Swedish. I, I just uh, I just took a law degree in Swedish. I'm so interested I'm, why you won't say it out loud. I don't care if you don't, but tell me why. And I said, Oafurutsibar. Um, it was just a word that was non-predictable. Um, and it was just sometimes I think in different languages in my head and I don't know which That's word interesting. to find it. I'm asking you to spell it cause I'm very possibly putting that in the title of the episode. Is why I'm <laughs> <laughs> Unpredictable. Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what can you spell it? Do you know it? Yeah. Yeah. Go. It's, oh, oh my gosh. I have to spell it with the sweet, with the English pronunciation of the Swedish. Um, I'm Googling. Just give it to me. Yeah. O F. Oh, it's a, it's a Swedish letter with two dots over it. I'll have to send it to you. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. Seriously. Send it to me. It's totally ending up in the title of this episode somehow. Um, (laughs) I just, I heard you slip into your, like into like the back of your voice and you were like working through a word in another language. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, Well, you know, I, I guess that as we're looking here, I'm looking in front of me, you know, your son's born, he has all these different operations, like right out of the womb, issues with his liver, his intestines, all this gastrointestinal stuff. Um, Hearing disability, I'm interested, does he wear something to help him? Yeah, he has a severe hearing uh, loss, so he wears hearing aids. Do you sign with him at all, or is it not? Yes, he went. He went to a sign language school the, up until fifth grade. Okay, so he's essentially deaf when he when he doesn't have them on. So there's an issue, like when he's sleeping, uh, he can't hear a pump alarm. Sure. Um. So I've had to go buy another baby monitor so I can hear pump alarms in the night from his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um. So if he you know showers or is in the hot tub or or what have you and takes out his hearing aids, then we use. Um, signing as support yeah so we had him in a signing school so then i i guess i it's you you told me he had an intellectual disability as well but i i'm it's funny how my brain stops me from believing that because he understands sign language but i know (laughs) it's just it's a you know what i mean like it's a weird like yeah let me let me translate the disability to something very concrete is that he'll never he can't um he'll never be able to um He'll never be able to calculate carbohydrates. Okay. He'll never be able to, he doesn't really understand numbers. And if you ask him, you know, a, a basic 
question about X plus Y, he, he, he's guessing. He doesn't. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but he's a super social, he's got great, you know, he's a super social open person who, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's, and he'll also, yeah. No, no, no. Don't be, I'm wondering what's your, what's your hope like for his life? And does he think about that or is it just, still with you. I mean, my 15 year old doesn't, didn't think about what they're we're expecting for their life. I'm not sure. sure I mean, would generally, either. generally speaking, the lower the intelligence level, kind of the more here and now you are. So you don't worry as much. And that's interesting with diabetes. You know, people talk about the, um, the dawn effect and the feet on the floor syndrome. I've heard, you know, people yeah. talk a lot about that. And his is actually, and that's because people wake up and they get stressed out about what's going to happen during the day, right? Like right. that's kind of like I woke up, now all of a sudden my adrenaline's going. Correct? Yeah. And he he's doesn't- opposite. He doesn't worry. He wakes up and he starts moving around, so his blood sugar actually drops. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> he doesn't have any feet on the floor effect at all. So what Lisa just told all of you, if you calm down enough. <laughs> <laughs> your blood sugar will not go. How calm do you think they need to get, Lisa? Do you think everybody it, needs to wake up stoned or what? what, what would work? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I got a lot of cortisol going on over here in America. Just so you know. I, there's, oh, man. Uh, dude, I don't. It's, it's not being an American overseas, I can tell you, is, is a, not it's fun a right show. Now? Yeah. Sorry, I can't say that on this show. Well, we can probably, bleep it but, out. It's fine. Uh, CNN can say it now. So that's so I can say it, too. Wait, um, and I just voted. Show? I just voted from here. So good yeah. for you. I'm gonna yeah. vote. Not that we're gonna, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. No, there's that, nothing about diabetes in that. I'm just saying that I'm at a heightened sense yeah. constantly no, I know. now. My, me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm not accustomed to talking about this stuff every day. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I don't like to talk about all this stuff every well, day anymore. I'm, about I'm, the ha- US. I'm happy that your son doesn't think about it. I seriously. You know, well, you asked about what my hope is for his future. Yeah. If you forgot what you asked me. Um, and I can tell you that that's probably been the number one, one of probably the number one reason why I haven't felt well. It wasn't because I couldn't handle the diet, the management of the diabetes. The, the problem is what happens when I'm not managing it. What does happen? You know, what happens? Like yeah. who's gonna who's gonna keep his blood sugar healthy? Like who's how is he's never he doesn't have the motor skills to put on a pump himself, he doesn't have the motor skills to inject himself. And there's all sorts of help available here for home help. They like elderly people who have diabetes here in Sweden. I mean, they they don't move into facilities, they have home care that comes eight times every day. So uh, so someone comes to your home here as part of, you know, the community service and they make your food and they give you your medicines. And so there is that kind of base level of care here that you wouldn't maybe have access to in the U S but they're certainly not going to employ the methodologies that I do. And they're not going to be on hand 24 seven to, you know, I mean, I'm up at night and giving him a couriering. What do you guys call it when you're Correct, a correction. Correction. Not a, not a couriering. You guys, when, you're from California, I mean, Lisa. Go ahead. I know. Um, <laughs> like I like I start in the evening. I start giving him corrections once he hits about seven point five. That's once he hits about one thirty five after he's gone to bed. I yeah. start smashing it, and you know because I know I know that once he starts rising, it's just going to get harder to keep him there. So then they're not going to do that. 
there's right. nobody else that's going to do that for him when, if I'm not around. So, so, you know, I, it's, that's what, that's, what's hurting me actually. Well, on the, on, it sounds like you get to live forever. So that's perfect. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you arrange that Scott? I'll work on it. <laughs> I'll call the that? podcast council and, and <laughs> put my powers to full use here. Excuse me one second. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know what happened there. I was talking and suddenly I didn't have a voice. Live forever. You know, one of my, one of the other parents in some of the groups I'm with, I'm on the board of, a, of um, an association for people with intellectual disabilities. And she, the parents are older. They're in their seventies and, she wrote this book and she said, and the title of the book, which has been really hard for me is I hope I die first. Or I hope she dies first. Oh, it was geez. the name of the book. I was like, wow. Like that, the, yeah, okay. I was like, no, she got that backwards. No, like I think. It, sorry, that was wrong. It was <laughs> yeah, like, no, that's fine. That they hoped that their child died before them because they weren't going to be around to take care of them. So yeah. it, it is, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard. Like, I mean, your daughter's going to be able to manage her diabetes on her own as she's an adult. And, and, our son won't. And so that's, that's, what's hard. I, I can't tell you that I understand that. I understand it intellectually, what you just said. Yeah. Um, but on a feeling level, I don't, I don't know how to wrap my head around that other than, yeah, to, say, other than to say, yeah. I can understand the sentiment. And yeah. um, because I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to make you upset, but there you're right. No one's going to care the way you care. No. No. Yeah. And maybe, but now I'm trying to say, well, maybe if I get him, maybe if I take good care of myself and I get him to, you know, he's 15. Maybe if I get him to 50 or 60 with really excellent, you know, diabetes management, maybe we've avoided, you know, the, the, a lot of the damage that can happen. And then six, you know, 50, 60 plus with just kind of like the old style static diabetes management, maybe he'll be okay. I mean, you know, people, you know, people manage like that. So well, the other side of that thought is that 35 years from now, I would imagine, I would imagine things are much different than they are right now. In 10 years. I agree with you. I agree with you. We'll have commercial systems that'll, that'll loop and that'll do good enough, right? It'll be good enough. Even if the highs take longer to bring down on a, on a loop system and they're not as aggressive, it'll be good enough. Yeah. I I think, well, listen, Arden's, we tried Fiasp, different insulin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I saw that. I, I haven't, I haven't seen what you thought after just the initial. I don't imagine um, we're going to be able to keep up and keep using it. Not, it's working terrific. Why? Uh, but it it burns every time she gets it, and so it's irritating to to just to wear the pump because it's always in the same spot, and she's always yeah. getting basal. She's got this background irritation that she says yeah. is not pleasant. We're trying to get through two vials to see if it if her body somehow builds a you know, uh, a way to, to help it. But I'm afraid if the body builds a resistance to the burning, it's also going to build a resistance to how the insulin works. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure, but she's toughing it out to try it. Uh, but we had to give her like a 15 unit bolus the other day. And the entire time the bolus went in, she just held her arm and she was like, this is not good. And so um, she's really being a trooper to get through it. Having said that it works more quickly and she has fewer lows and she wasn't having that many lows to begin with. So it works really well. And at the same time, I don't know that we're going to be able to keep doing it, uh, which is well, a shame. It's nice. It's nice. She lets you use her as her personal guinea, guinea pig. I told her, I was like, this is, you know, it's well, the real reason we tried first was because she has these muscle aches and joint pain sometimes. Right. Um, and I just, we're down to like what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. We're down to like picking through the minutia, trying to find something that helps her. 
And so I just said, look, there's probably preservatives in Apedra that don't exist in Fiasp. <clears throat> Why don't we try and see what happens? And it hasn't really helped her in that vein at all which is why we're trying to wait a little longer. I the the blood sugar control aspect was a bonus. We weren't I love a peacher and how a peacher works. So I wasn't switching away from it because of the insulin. So, we'll see, but I I imagine she'll be switching back with her next pump actually. But I don't I mean, you were really nice to come on and do this and I I didn't we didn't talk much about diabetes. Do you have a couple extra minutes? Cool. Um, so what's your, I mean, obviously you're texting with adults. So you have this ability to like I do. And a lot of other people do like, I, I always think of it as like tech support for a computer. Like I don't need to be in front of the computer to fix it. And Correct. so, and so I can kind of see diabetes in my head and the numbers and just my understanding of what she's been doing. And even now, to be honest with Dexcom follow, I don't even need to know what she's doing. I can infer from the you know, from the, the right. follow line, they, what's they, happening. They get crazy when, when I, when I write and I say, Hey, are you guys out taking a walk or something? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, just wanted to make sure that was why it was dropping. You know <laughs> I mean? Of course you see everything they do. It freaks just them out the, a little, does it? The graph. We have a, I have a, a thermostat in my bedroom and has a motion sensor on it, but I never told anybody. So my wife and I went to a baseball game with my son one day and we were gone for, you know, a while and I texted Arden and I was like, are you awake? And she goes, yeah, I just woke up. I said, are you in my bedroom? And she was freaked out for like hours afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, how do you know? I'm like, I just had a feeling and I teased her for a while about it, you know, and she couldn't figure it out. And, uh, but I imagine something similar. Yeah. I just, so I see it and I infer and I know what's going on. So you're doing that when he's away from you. Um, but the one thing you And s- even with him a little bit, even when he's in the same house as us, um, I'm trying to practice with him so that I'm acting like I'm, you know, that I'm not in the same house with him. So when he gets home and I'm preparing dinner and he's in his up in his room, instead of me doing I'll like text him and, and so I'm trying to teach him that way too. I'm a huge fan of that. I really am. Yeah, like it, yeah. what what better time to practice distance care than when if something goes wrong you can just walk into another room and go okay well I messed that up. You, yeah, you, you and know? essentially I did that all summer and it's made a big difference in me feeling like he he understands a little bit more um than what he did before. So it's just kind of that's really important for me to try to help him. And that we also implemented for that we always do a split bolus. So this, this was before this is a long story, but I wanted to implement a routine that would that would work for him most of the time um, because I wanted to pre-bolus the lunch at school, mm-hmm. and we didn't know what he would be eating or how much. And so we started it at school with doing a, just a standard amount every time as a pre-bolus. And as I saw it working, we just did that for every meal. And so every time he's going to eat, we do the same pre-bolus amount against 50 grams of carbohydrates. He eats like 400 grams of carbohydrates a day, healthy carbs, if there's such a thing. But, and so we pre-bolus for uh, 50 grams of carbohydrates before every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's really helped us actually to avoid kind of like the spikes and the dips. And I don't even use the extended bolus function on the pump because I love the split bolus, the man, a manual split bolus. So you're doing basically when you hear me say, just get some going, get some insulin on your side. That's what you're doing. 
Yeah, every yeah. every time before he eats, we always give him that, and then and then he can take what he wants, and we don't have to like measure everything out and give him the insulin before he can eat it. He takes the the pre bolus for fifty grams of carbohydrates, and then under under the meal at some point we'll you know figure it all out, and then we'll give him what's left. And if he didn't eat fifty, which isn't very often, then we'll supplement it with a you know something else. That's amazing. That's brilliant, actually. Good for you. I, I think it works really well for us. Yeah, and that's actually. excellent. I listen. I think that again, the way that you use insulin is the whole game. Like I just pulled up Arden's blood sugar to look at it, and I'm following uh, other people too. So right now it's 10 a.m. where all these people are. All these these there's an 18 year old in here and a, a six and two 16 year olds, right? Two of them are girls. I happen to know they both have their periods. Um and I got blood sugars here at 99, 94, and 95. Arden's at school, the other girl's still asleep, this the kids at work. And they all have the exact same three hour graph. And it's just because it's just because I, I mean, they have the right amount of insulin that's at it. the right time. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. You know, you know, his, um, our son's, uh, graph when, when you don't introduce food into the picture, it's just flat. It's just, you know, once my only issue in the evening is to, is to smash that rise and not smash it hard enough to where I, you know, push him too low. And, and I get, you know, I rage bolus, like you've talked about, I definitely rage bolus, and I've, you know, I've upped his insulin sensitivity factor from one to six to one to two for three hours because I was just kind of like reverse in reality. So I'm just giving him like, like massive amounts of insulin. I just need to make sure I don't push him too low. But once I have him stable, then I know he's going to ride there and he can wait to eat until like 10 in the morning. It doesn't matter what seven or 10, he just rides flat. Okay. The whole time. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Listen, it, you got it. You figured the whole thing out. You're doing, I mean, with the amount of carbs well, you said, well, seriously, with the amount of carbs that you said he uses yeah, and yeah. and where his range is and where you're keeping him and how you're doing it with, you know, being aggressive and thoughtful at the same time with insulin, I'm sure you'll get things, you know, honed over time, but you're doing incredibly well aside of all the other stuff for being 11 months into diabetes seriously you you leapt forward very quickly yeah no i know and i mean i that's i thank you for you know for saying that um well it's true if it wasn't true i would have said something different there (laughs) no 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 i mean and and i know that and i and that's not really like i'm that's like that wasn't ever my concern my 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 you know like i said my concerns are other things and i just i wish i wish um every parent kind of like got it like this and was able to help their child, you know, stay calm with their blood glucose. And, and, um, it's, um, I feel good because I don't want to, you know, his other organs are already damaged. Um, he, sorry, was that mine or yours? I think it was mine. That's fine. Um, and, you know, his, his liver's already damaged. His kidneys are already damaged. His, you know, I mean, there's other, his heart, I mean, there's, his other organs are already impacted by other diseases. And so, um, you know, the least I can do is try not to get them more damaged. And, um, you know, he hasn't had, I mean, and this other part, you know, I'm terrified of lows Mm -hmm. because he doesn't feel anything. And, um, so I'm, it's, it's a, my next challenge is, you know, I hold him between five and seven, Uh, four and six is the correct. So five and seven. Five would be 90 and seven would be 
126. So I don't let him get down to four. I don't let him get down to 70. And I start treating him like bump him up a touch already um, when he starts going down there. And he hasn't had a single blood value under under 70 ever. Ever. Yeah. Well, he's got so many carbs. He's got so many carbs in him too that it's probably (laughs) seriously. It's probably a little easier to manage. You're managing up instead of managing down with the insulin. Is that the way I mean that? Yeah. I I think I've listened to you before, and and I you know you've said something to the fact that if you can hold him steady at 120, you can hold him steady at 90. You know, you've said something to that fact before, and I know I know that I can if I can hold him steady at a hundred or 110, I can hold him steady at 80, but I'm too afraid to do it because he's not near me and I'm not. Um, so I tend to err on the bit higher side. I, my favorite number, if somebody said to me now, you know, when you were a kid, they say, what's your favorite number, Lisa? I'd have all these different numbers. My favorite number is 6.3. When, when he's 6.3, 6.3, um, when he's 113, <laughs> I can, I just, I relax. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I can sleep. I, to me, that's like nothing bad can happen because I can catch it if he's low and I can catch it if he starts going up. Lisa, your math is really tight. Before I could type that into the calculator, you had the answer. <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, I'll find and- out for her. <laughs> well, listen, then do those. If you want to try to go lower, just do it when he's with you on weekends or days and when we he's do. there. And, and yeah, we just do. try it, right? We do. I just also don't want to give him... I think you asked me earlier just now on the podcast, you know, is he worried? And I gave you this feet on the floor analogy, but it's interesting because he, he looked very thoughtful at dinner two nights ago. And I asked him what was wrong. I said, you know, what are you thinking about? And a lot of stuff happened about a year ago at this time, we had several losses in our family. And then of course the diabetes happened and, and he didn't tell me and and he's not allowed to have um, Facebook and stuff, but he does have an Instagram post with with seven female followers. He only likes women. He only likes girls. He likes women <laughs> more I so than girls. I think he's right to and feel that way. I'm similar. He's so funny. Like all of my girlfriends is are his like, anyway, right. he posted a picture of himself two nights ago. And I'm going to do this translation direct from Swedish. Picture of himself in the mirror. And he writes, Jag är glad. I am happy. In my new life, I have had a your big. I've had a, I've had a your big a hard. I've had a hard year f- the last year. It's been very tough the last year, but now I'm very happy in my new life. I hope you understand that. And he put that on Instagram, mm-hmm. whereas he's never been able to really express to us that I'm worried about diabetes or that I feel bad. And I mean, when we discovered diabetes, he had a blood sugar of, he was outside working in the yard for eight hours with my husband, like raking leaves and outside in the rain. And he and I took a jacuzzi outside and we walked in and I just had this epiphany. And I said, Oh crap, he has diabetes. Cause he had like peed the bed and was really thirsty and he had a blood glucose of, let's see, uh, it was 30. He had a blood glucose of 540. And literally, I'd asked him all day long, are you okay? Are you feeling sick? And he's like, nope, I'm going back out to work again. So he never complains. He never like tells you that he's unhappy. Yeah. Um, but I think he does feel the stress. And I don't want to add to it by panicking when I see him dipping under under 70. 
No, I, it's smart. You know, it, I just really want smart. him to feel like, hey, we've got all the time in the world. Hey, you want to eat three Skittles? You know, I mean, it, it, you know, just these micro, micro adjustments. Yeah. Um, but I'll get there someday, I, you know, if needed. I think you're pretty damn close now, to be perfectly honest. So uh, I don't see what you could be doing that that would be that much better. I, I understand that there's always better. I'm not saying that. I'm just you're doing so well. I I I think if you're not if you're not really proud of yourself and somewhat satisfied, um, I am. Yeah, I you am should Scott. be. Yeah, good. I am. Very I just good. I'm worried about him. You know, of course, I worry about him, and I love him a lot. So I. Um, yeah, just trying to, um, you know, melt it in with, with, you know, with what, what else we're dealing with. And, um, I just, you know, I want to keep them safe and healthy. That's really all I want. It really sounds like you're going to, well, let me, let me tell you this. And I actually, I have to go in a minute, but, um, I talk to a lot of people like this and I talk to many people privately and I can tell when they're going to be okay. And I kind of boiled it down to uh, desire and concern. Um, and when people have the desire and they have a reason to want to get to a place, they most often do. Yeah. You know, um, I don't see why you would be any different. You're obviously uh, bright enough and you're, you're paying attention to it. You're seeing aspects of it 11 months in that I spend hundreds of hours trying to artfully beat into people's heads. And so you're, you know, you're, you, you've got it. And, um, I don't see how there's anywhere to go, but up, honestly, you know, yep. I just need to moderate, you know, the attention to it as well. And like you, like you've said a few times or more than a few times you've said, I don't think that much about diabetes in the day. And I can tell you like, that's kind of all I think about. And that'll be my next goal is to think about other things. Yep. You set those alarms and you just wait for them to beep. And if they're not yeah. beeping, you don't think about them. You just trust that what you know is going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. That's it. Yep. yep. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so very Thanks, much. Thanks, Scott. No. Great I, talking to you. I feel, you know, really enjoy just chatting with you. And you're doing a great service for for this community. And, um, you know, I it it needs more of this uh, the community the the parents and the people need to have access to more modern thinking um on how you do this and i you know advocate for that all the time i appreciate that and let me just half heartedly say um and with a little bit of jest in my voice they don't really need more podcasts they just need to hear this one i don't want i don't need what are you trying to do give me a bunch of competition somebody's going to hear this and think oh, i should start a podcast you people don't need a podcast no, i have no, no, one no. you're fine only one podcast yeah go only do something else place. you're fine find a hobby i i was actually <laughs> thinking more in the hospitals i was thinking more newly diagnosed now listen yeah, i early on. Yeah, i that's a pity I'm sorry, you faded away for a second. I couldn't hear you, it's, but I, it's a pity. It's a pity that yeah. people aren't getting access to more knowledge earlier on and have to go find this on their own. I don't know how I think about this quite a lot. And I don't know how, see, you're going to make me upset because the yeah. way you feel about your son getting older, I feel about myself getting older because I'm my, my last goal is to do something that persists beyond me for people with type one and I'm, I, I, to this point do not know how you can take all of this and squeeze it down 
and tell it to somebody while they or their child is being diagnosed in a hospital. I don't know if you can, maybe. Maybe that's why they don't. Maybe it's just impossible. I'm not sure. Well, I think you and I should uh, talk offline about that idea. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, what we need here, <clears throat> Helmsley, we just need some people to throw some some uh, some support behind some things. Because I do think that there are a dozen, 20 or so episodes of this podcast that could be handed to you on a thumb drive. And, I agree. And that would really would zoom you right along. So I agree. There's definitely ways. But yeah. again, if you're looking... Here's the conundrum before we go, right? People have had diabetes for a very, very long time. And there are people who are good at speaking about it that aren't me. I'm not saying that I'm the only one. I'm certainly not saying that. But for whatever reason, the mix of my experiences and my the way I talk to people resonates with a lot of people who hear it. But I don't have any medical degree. So it doesn't matter if this podcast was 100% going to help everyone who heard it. Let's just say somehow that was true. They still wouldn't hand it to you because I'm not a doctor. Liability. Yeah. So it just wouldn't happen. And yeah. that, if then you, we just, then we just need to spread your podcast crazily. I'm trying to tell um, people this it, and it's, by the way, it's spreading. So um, I know. what I people know. are doing, congratulations. Yeah, thank great, you. great metrics. Scott. Yeah. What That's people really are doing impressive. is really uh, everybody who helps by telling someone else, is helping beyond. And I didn't mean to sound all like, I don't know how that sounded just now, but I, uh, I, I worry about the day I can't make the podcast anymore. Like I get too old or, you know, whatever happens, I don't want this information to disappear. And I don't want, the, you know, because think about it, your son's diagnosed, you find the podcast, you're okay. 11 months later, the podcast doesn't exist. I don't know where you are right now. And I don't know where all of those other people are either. And I don't want to be a Band-Aid in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. just want there to be a swath of time where I was valuable, where this information was valuable, and then suddenly it's gone. Like, it needs to persist. And and that's what I'm trying to figure out. So I appreciate you coming on and helping me uh, add to the add to the the lore of the show. And, and somebody's going to hear stuff that you said today. It's going to help them. So I appreciate Thanks, that. Scott. Yeah, Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. And I, thanks for thanks for the podcast. Have a great day. It really is my pleasure. What time is it there as I'm saying it goodbye? It is almost 4.30 in the afternoon. Very nice. Well, I am going to go hit a baseball with my son for a while. And Enjoy. I uh, try to have a nice day. I hope you do as well. Stay safe and stay sane. I wear a mask. I'm good. <laughs> I wear a mask. Although I have to tell you, last night, 8 p.m., not tired, completely out of things to do, I actually thought... Maybe I should just restart the next work day now. Like, should I sit down and just edit a show? I was out of things to do. And that doesn't normally happen. But if you lock me in my house long enough, I run out of stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't really wear a mask because I don't meet anybody. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> what do I need a mask stay for? stay away from people. <laughs> just me in the house here. Um, no, I, 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 it really is an odd, odd time. It to is. just well, feel like there's nothing to do. I couldn't. I In a normal situation, I would... You know, I have a list of things I'd like to do, not the least of which is, you know, go visit my mother and, and other things like that. Yeah. But instead, I'm just standing here going, oh, it'll be time to go to sleep soon, I guess. You, you, you know? Yeah, I lost my father-in-law to COVID this oh, spring. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's no, I terrible. know. It's, it's, it's strange times. Thanks. 
First, I'd like to thank the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump, and Touched by Type 1 for supporting the show today. Touchedbytype1.org for Facebook and Instagram. The Dexcom G6 is at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, and you can learn more about those free trials that you may be eligible for and the demo pod that you're definitely eligible for at omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And of course, I want to thank Lisa for the really fun, thoughtful, emotional, and entertaining conversation that we had. I'm working on a pretty cool giveaway for you, and if everything works out, I'll be able to tell you about it very soon. Uh, Keep listening. Please subscribe in your podcast players. Tell somebody else about the show. If you love the show, leave an amazing review wherever you listen. And of course, thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode.